Lighthouse, uh, sort of the, the interview of heard around the world. Um, and what impressed me about Rabbi Nesanov is that he appeared, I don't watch TV that often, but I happened to be at my parents' house a few months ago, and he was on CNN on a Sunday afternoon on the Howard Kurtz show uh, that discusses the media. He spoke there, and what really and captured uh, my attention, uh, sometimes the, the issues of the day, the sort of the, the news cycle, uh, kind of things come and go, and Helen Thomas uh, suddenly went the other time, and it wasn't so interesting at some level to me. But to hear Rabbi Nesanoff say that something was afoot in the United States, and to articulate the fact that anybody who separates Israel from the Jewish people are not a friend of the Jewish people. And he was on national TV saying it just straight up and clear and in an unabashed way. And he called upon people to really to reevaluate where we stand, to reevaluate who our friends are, and that the old assumptions from decades ago perhaps not that do not necessarily apply to who are our friends. And to hear a rabbi, to speak as a rabbi, and to speak clearly about our connection, our historical connection to Israel. The unabashed way during these times was only refreshing, but very important. And at a time when, I have to say, when the President of the United States gets up in Cairo and speaks about that the, the reason why the Jews are in Israel is because of the Holocaust, this is exactly what Ahmadinejad says. This is exactly the paradigm of Ahmadinejad. The only difference is one person wants to evict the Jews, another person wants to take a more liberal and humane approach. But that, as we know, if you study or know the history of the Jewish people, our connection to Israel, to Jerusalem, has nothing to do with the Holocaust. That the Jewish culture, the connection of the Jewish nation to the land and to the place of Israel predates all of this by many millennia. So to hear a rabbi on American TV in this moment in history say this, I think is profoundly important. And we're honored that you're here. Uh, rabbi Nesanov is not only a rabbi, he's a writer, a director, a producer, a storyteller, he makes documentary films, he's a social advocate for human rights and social justice, locally and internationally, uh, and he's world-renowned, he's won awards in, in the media, industry, the film, and, and the like. So it's really a pleasure to hear. Welcome. You're in shul now. You know, uh, last night I had the uh, privilege of going to see uh, Peace Warriors. Um, those of you that saw it was really uh, wonderful and, and uh, it was a great way to uh, spend the evening. Yeah, director of writer. Um, afterwards, someone heard uh, I was Rabbi Nesanoff. It happens to me now. You know, you know oh, it's Rabbi Nesanoff. comes over. I couldn't help. Uh, I had to come over. I heard you're Rabbi Nesanoff. I heard your name. I have to tell you, I'm so fond of what you did. And then his next sentence was, but my wife, I'm not sure she is. And I said, really? She, she's a, she likes Helen Thomas? He said, oh, this has nothing to do with Helen Thomas. Ten years ago, you did my wedding. <laughs> Ken Marcus, uh, who, who uh, was a guest speaker here also. Um, it's a pleasure to be here at Yale. 
Uh, I was very nervous coming uh, to Yale um, to get to speak at, you know, here, and uh, it's, uh, it's a real honor. I, I was a little nervous. I, I speak a lot, but, you know, Yale, I was a little nervous, so I, I went into my wife into the den, and she was there. I said, I'm speaking at Yale, I'm a little nervous, I want to practice my speech. And she said, go ahead, you know. So, so I, I started speaking, and, and it's only after a few moments, she, she gestured, you know, move it along. So I spoke a little quicker, and then uh, it didn't take a few seconds till again. She, and I'm, I'm racing through this speech. Like, I couldn't get the words out. Still, still, she's telling me move it along. And I finally stopped, and I said, what is it with people today? Can't we just luxuriate the moment, the word? Can't we think about things? Does everything have to be a soundbite? Do we have to rush through everything? What's going on? And she said, she said, what are you talking about? I said, why are you rushing me? She said, I'm not rushing you, I'm drying my nails. <laughs> so, I kind of wanted you to know the kind of things that go into preparing for a speech like this in a true story. Um, my daughter, after many years of being in a Jewish, not many years, a few years of being in a Jewish day school, we decided to put her into public school. Um, the big bad public school, we were very nervous about it, and we didn't know what would be there. It wouldn't be as Hamish as the Jewish day school. Would it be anti-Semitic? What would it be going? Would it be bigger classes? What's going to be at the, the public school? So I decided the first day of school I would pick her up, you know, so she wouldn't be on the big bad school bus. And I picked her up. She's in the back seat, not driving, and I said to her, no. So she says, there were three Christians in my class. <laughs> talking about? Uh, who told you that? She's the teacher. Is the teacher told you there were three Christians in the class? Yeah. He told you and told everybody. Told the whole class. The teacher stood in front of the entire class and said there were three Christians in the class. Said, yeah. I said, did they say how many Muslims or Jews or Hindus? No. So the teacher, um, my mind was racing. I'm going to call up the teacher. No, I'm going to call up the principal. No, I'm going to call up the superintendent of schools. Get a Foxman on the phone. I'm going to take this place down. My daughter's like, what are you talking about? I don't understand. See, my teacher said there were three boys in the class who have the same name, Christian. <laughs> I mentioned that because we're here to discuss anti-Semitism for a few days here, and um, one should has to at some point say, not everything is anti-Semitism. There's, there's a lot, but not everything. And we have to always watch ourselves when it comes to the point we say, well, that's not anti You know, sometimes when you get pulled over on the Long Island Expressway for doing 95 miles an hour, and you have a yarmulke on, you know, it could be the 95 miles an hour. <laughs> but trust me, I still fought it. Um, there is something uh, that, that was anti-Semitic that I was involved in, and it was the fact that I um, was at the White House and on the front lawn, and I went up to Helen Thomas, um, very innocently, without any pre-thought, no pre-judgment on, on anything I thought of her, um, and uh, with my son and a friend, and we were there for Jewish Heritage Day, we had gotten, my son got, <laughs> some things I'm going to tell I haven't told people, my son got press passes to get into the White House, that's what we got there. He called up, he wanted, he wanted for next Hanukkah to get press passes for his uh, uh, schmoozepoint.com, he has a teenage Jewish website, chat room, so he called up, and they called him back, and they said, Oh, he said, yeah, I want to go for Hanukkah. He says, you mean next week you want to be at the Jewish Heritage Day? He said, yeah, next week at Jewish Heritage Day. So I'm a smart kid. And so we got a couple of passes. I went for Rabbi Live. Um, and, and I have to tell you a little backstory. I'm totally going away from these notes. Tell the backstories. On May 1st, 
I no longer was with a congregation. I sat in my office at home, turned 50 years old, wondering, what am I going to do? What do I really want to do with my life? We all have to come to that point where we say, what am I going to do? What do I really want to do? I take another kihila? Do I want to do something? What do I want to do? And I decided, I'm going to help Eretz Israel. I am going to help Israel. But how am I going to do it? Well, I, I'm, you know, I'm into video, and I have the, you know, YouTube, and I help people with advertising, and I'm, I'm a rabbi, so all these things. But I'm going to make little snippets about Israel and put it out there. And somehow people are going to hear rabbis saying the falafel is good, and the hummus is good, and the archaeology is good, and this, and all these nice little positive things about Israel is going to help Israel. So here I find myself May 27th at the White House. And I knew there was going to be a lot of Jews running around there, so I figured I'll, I'll start my campaign then to interview all these Jews. But before I even get to the celebration, I say, oh, look, there's that famous lady. Let me go introduce my kids to her. And I go, and I say, hey, let me ask her the question, the one question I'm going to ask all the Jews in the place today. I'm going to ask her, any comments on Israel? Hashkacha pratit, okay? Divine intervention is not just the word I heard, it is my life. God said, okay, Nesanoff, you want to ask people about Israel, and you want to help Eretz Yisrael, and I got something for you. Here you go. Tell them to get the hell out and go home. I, people ask me why I didn't kick her in the knees, why I didn't punch her, why, I mean, you know, we're on the White House, for God's sake, you know, it, it, it's all, everyone's dressed nicely, oh, it's amazing for someone to say hell, also, you know, when you meet someone for the first time, you get the hell out, we're wearing yarmulkes, tzitzis are going, and it's Jewish Heritage Day, there were Jews scattered around the place, to tell them to get that she couldn't contain herself, couldn't hold it back, I'm going to have the opportunity to speak to journalism schools, Ask the broad question. Don't ask the specific question. If I said to her, tell me about the Jews on Rehov so-and-so in Gaza, okay, I wouldn't be standing here today. She'd say whatever she would say. Ask the, someone should ask the president, how's the world doing? Then we'll find out what's on his mind. The broad question is so powerful because it makes the person who's being interviewed work a little for it, and it comes out of it. So I asked her that question, get the hell out. And of course I said to her, go home. Where? where? <laughs> Poland and Germany, I'm sitting there. By the way, I am, um, you know, the, the people that uh, thought I was, um, you know, an ambusher, I'm a neoconservative Nazi, I was uh, hidden camera, I had special software to make her ugly looking. Hashkacha <laughs> Pratis. I didn't do that work. Yeah. And by the way, that, 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 after I said that joke, I should say that I, ne I, I didn't like when people made fun of her looks or whatever. This wasn't about it, because that's a problem in America also. If you, you know, if you have nice legs and you're blonde, or if you're old and you look like a witch, or whatever it is, it, it, it's not what this issue was about. Because there are plenty of people walking around who are witches that are more attractive than, than Helen Thomas that are hurting Israel. So anyway, but I had this little flip, my, my main cameras were in the press room in the White House, but we were walking out somewhere, so I had my little flip camera, and uh, it wasn't hidden, okay, it, was, it was like this, you know, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get any closer, you know, and, and, and the reason it was so close was because my mazel, I, when she starts talking, 
They start mowing the lawn on the north lawn in front of the White House. I can only imagine Michelle said to Barack, you know, the Jews are coming, the place looks a mess, can we get someone to do the lawn, the place the weeds are growing. So they start mowing the lawn where the Jews are there, and I'm, I'm sitting there like, oh, I get the sound. I, 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 when I made films, a sound guy would, would stop for four hours and would miss the shot. I just put it right up like this. So I got the sound, and the face was a little close. But it wasn't the... Then people said, it, I, I'm Mossad, because, because why? Because, because I waited a week for posting it, you know, and I waited for the flotilla. I did, May 27th, flotilla was the next week. So I knew the flotilla was happening. This was going to be what was going to kill the flotilla story. And it did. I waited a week because my son, who is my partner and my great webmaster and co-producer and we do everything together, he had finals. <laughs> Tonight, can we put the hell in Thompson? No, I'm busy. I got a driver's ed test tomorrow. Driver's ed? Tomorrow, next day. Finally, a week later on a Thursday night, we said, now, flotilla already happened. Everybody's screaming that Israel is a bunch of brutal terrorists. Helen Thomas got a chance to say that they were massacring Palestinians, again sitting in her front row. Okay. Thursday night, we put up, we posted. By Motzei Shabbos, by Saturday night, we had over 700,000 hits. By Sunday, it broke the charts. Still to this day, it was the fastest um, uh, YouTube watched uh, on the history of YouTube. The amount of awards and whatever crazy awards they give out for how fast they watch it, where they watch it, under what circumstance they watch it, how many comments are made on it, and everything else. It hit a nerve. Something happened. Um, and and it, it, it's because it, it has to do with hate. It has to do with the fact that you can no longer say, and this is what this whole conference, I'm really amazed to hear it over and over, every single, the women's conference I heard, the women's discussion, all the other discussions, is that you can no longer say, I hate Israel, I'm anti-Israel, but I'm not anti-Semitic. That was broken. That was the watershed moment. That was just taken down. Forget it. You're anti-Israel? Litmus test, you're anti-Semitic. That was Helen Thomas. For 60 years, she used that excuse. For 60 years in the White House, with six presidents, the decade after six decades, she said that. And now you can't say, we don't trust you. We don't trust you. The Jew is so trusting. We want to believe, you know, we want to give someone the benefit. Well, you're anti-Israel, but I know you're not anti-Semitic. Because you didn't say, get the hell out of Janine and of Gaza and go back to Tel Aviv and Haifa and Chulon and Svat and Beersheba. She didn't say, get the hell out of East Jerusalem and go to Netanyahu and Herzliya. She said, get the hell out and go back to Poland and Germany. And as Ari Fleischer said to me, because now we're friends, it's very funny how the world is. So he said, he said he told, he, she was asking to cleanse an entire region of a certain group of people and send them back to where the cleansing began. It just, someone said last night to me, I said, you know, it just reached the limit. She just, it just reached the limit. It just, it's just enough. You can't go that far. Okay? And that's what it was. It was, it was that she, that it just came out. It, it was finally the truth. We finally heard the truth. And everybody was unmasked. Um, I mentioned Ari Fleischer because I got to speak to Ari Fleischer. You know, when, when you, 
you, you can't imagine what takes place. Uh, you know, just every news report, every station, every the whole world. I, I, I have things being Brazil. Their magazines in Portuguese. I, I don't know what they're saying, but there's a, a picture of me in it. Hopefully, hopefully it was something nice. <laughs> all over the world, all day long, Israeli television, television, and 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 so people know you. So I, my son and I sat there. I said, "We well, you know, who do you want to call?" He said to me, "You can call anybody in the world. They'll take your call." I said. I don't know if you really think so. He said, yeah. I said, I, you know, I'd love to speak to Ellie Wiesel. Or Wiesel, as he's called. I'd love to speak to Ellie Wiesel. Well, I'll get him on the phone for you. I said, Ellie Wiesel's like, picks up. Yeah, it's Rabbi off Ellie Wiesel. Here it is. Yashir Koloch, Rabbi Nesanoff. Ellie Wiesel. So, I got to speak to him, and he, he did say that um, in his uh, when he says it, it's uh, very strong. He said that there is evil in the world. <laughs> when he says it, you get the full take of it. He actually said to me, and this has something to do with uh, what Professor Small said. That he, he said to me, um, I asked him, "What am I supposed to do with this? What what should I do with this? And the whole world is looking at me. What do I do? I I, I want it to be an opportunity, not an opportunistic, you know, event." He said, well, I read that you're a Chabadnik. I know I don't look uh, too Chabadnik, but I'm a Chabadnik. I love Chabad. I love what they've done in the world. And I pray with Chabad every morning. He said, I heard you're a... He, I, now everybody knows about me. It's funny for people to know where you pray in the morning. So, yeah. So, I'm a Chabadnik. So, he says, go find out what the Rebbe would want you to do. He said, well... <laughs> second coming of the Rebbe hasn't happened yet. So, um, I went to my uh, local Chabad rabbi, and I said to him, look, I was Eli Wiesel told me to find out what the Rebbe would want me to do. He said, well, I said, well, I, I, they got a little nervous, because no one wants to speak for the Rebbe. So he says, you know, I know somebody who was friends with the Rebbe, an older rabbi, um, and, uh, you know, he would have some great insight. We got him on the speakerphone, we spoke for an hour, the man was crying at the end. Because with all joking aside, this is monumental. What do you tell the world? A Jew is in front of the world and has an opportunity. And he said, what she did was deny the relationship between the Jew, Am Yisrael, and, and uh, Eretz Yisrael. That there's no connection. Like, like you know, why are you even there? Why are you here? You know, what would you do? It doesn't even make sense. Why are the Jews there? Just get them out. Put them back to their home. No, they, they needed a place. They, they denied any connection between the two. Your job is to tell the world that there is a connection between Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. That they're together and they don't exist without each other. So I was on CNN, 11 o'clock in the morning, Howard Kurtz. Didn't matter what question they asked me. How do you spell Nesanov? Eretz Yisrael and Am Yisrael are one. The land of Israel and the people of Israel are one. You cannot deny it. You cannot deny it. You know, there was another Helen. It was a Hellenism in 165 BCE. And uh, we've dealt with Hellenistic terror times before. It was when the Maccabees had to fight this Helen. And it was very clear what that Helen was trying to take away from the Jewish people. Because that was, anti-Semitism is smarter than we are. They know what's important. We sometimes don't know what, we go, we go, what's important? Ah, mezuzah, maybe it's important. Okay, they don't, we don't know what's important, they know what's important. And it says, the sages teach us that they wanted to take away our sameach, 
our happiness. But the mystics go further and they say it's three letters, Sameach, Shin Memchet. Shin is Shem, your name. They wanted to take away your name. If you take away your Jewish uh, uh, identity, your name, your Hebrew name, don't allow Jews to have a Hebrew name, they won't be around much longer. They wanted, to, they wanted to take away Mila, the second, Mila, because that's your connection to Abraham, to the land of Israel, Mila, the circumcision. And they wanted to take away Chodesh, your calendar, the month. So it's amazing that those three things, when we talk about anti-Semitism, that's what the anti-Semite is going after, those three things. Anytime we look at it, those are the three things. If you look at the, the, your name itself, Anybody here has a Hebrew name? Let's say our Hebrew names might sound silly, and I, I'm not giving any homework, but let's all together, let's say our Hebrew name. We got a different feeling when we say our Hebrew name. It transports us to Israel, it transports us to a higher place. People like hearing their Hebrew name. When you get called up in the synagogue, you see your Hebrew name. You feel different when you hear your Hebrew name, when you say your Hebrew name. It's a real, it, it, we said it here. Mila, circumcision. All the men in the room, no, I'm not going to go. But Mila, circumcision, people think it ties us to our father or our father's father. It ties us back to Abraham Avinu. ties us back to the land of Israel. We think we're sitting somewhere in, you know, in Plainview, Long Island, and the, the child is lying on top of the dining room table, and there's locks and some whitefish salad on the side, and a little bris, and... You know, we, we, we don't know what's going on. We're tied to the land of Israel. And finally, Chodesh. Chodesh. The Jewish calendar. Announcing the new month. You know, we think of the Holy, you know, think of, uh, the holy Temple in Jerusalem as, oh, they were doing sacrifices. I don't know how I can relate to that and whatever. They blew the shofar at the beginning of every month. It was, that's the way they knew it was to keep track of your life, of your days, of your holidays, of your birthdays, of your sukkahs, of whatever it was, they had to blow the shofar. And they would blow that shofar. Chodesh. Um, and, and that ties us keeping a Jewish calendar. You look at a Jewish calendar, you're tied to Israel. And so these Helens, over years, it's 165 and in 2010, these Helens wanted to take those things away. And they know that the way to take it away is separate the Jew from the land of Israel. And it's like pulling the plug. And even the Jews who, who don't think they have a connection with the land of Israel, even the Jews who never been to Israel, never will go to Israel, hate Israel. They have no idea. And it's okay. Because when they're in Uganda, in some airport somewhere, and someone's separating them from the, non, from the non-Jews, and they're gonna kill them, don't worry, your brethren, will fly there and save you, and even Netanyahu's younger brother will die for you. And that's the connection we have with, the, with Israel. And we didn't have it during the Shoah, during the Holocaust. So I received over 30,000 hate mails. Okay. Now I lie, because if you add up the blogs, the comments, and everything else, it's in the hundreds of thousands of comments. One comment alone, if you ever received it, you would call the police. Okay. We had to be debriefed by security agencies. The Anti-Defamation League, all kidding aside, God bless them. Okay. I cannot talk about my discussions with them, but God bless them. They know how to help people, and they know how to help Jews whose security is uh, breached and is threatened. Um, we, we had to have the police, we had to have certain things set up in the house, we had to learn how to open mail, we had to do a lot of things. Okay. 
That's what happens, because why? Because more than the anti-Semites who wrote those letters to me and emails to me, there is a more of an evil anti-Semitic being. And it's called the media. The media. And that's frightening. Because everyone says ignorance leads to racism. Ignorance leads. So where, where's the university of, of teaching anti-hate? Where is the university? It's called the University of Media. That's what people learn. They don't come to Yale. They don't come. They're sitting in front of their television, looking in front of their computer, looking in front of their blogs, listening to their radio, and that's where they learn. That's the school. And that school is teaching um, such hatred towards Jewish people. It infuriated different media outlets that Helen Thomas was taken down. It infuriated them that a Jew did it, and it pissed them off to no end that a rabbi did it. Because everyone knows that during the Shoah, when they went into the Polish Shtetlach, into Drobnin, into Sherps, the first thing they did was they grabbed the rabbi, shot him in the head in the forest, then they went for the rest of the people. Kill the rabbi off first. That'll kind of get everybody in order. So get this rabbi. How dare he? Let's find out what we can do with this rabbi. So certainly, you know, places we expect, like Al Jazeera and different Arab groups, we understand that they're going to just write falsehoods. They, oh, oh, Rabbi Nesnov was, into, was into talking to her. He was, he was put there by Mossad. He was whatever. Outside the White House that very day, there were hundreds of people protesting Israel. Anytime you read Al Jazeera or these media, uh, Arab media outlets, as far as they're concerned, every day there are people protesting Israel outside the White House. There's nobody protesting Israel outside the White House that day. But that's, they don't even, there's not even a, a, a sense, an iota of truth in the way these people write. Which, by the way, you know the, the, the movie All the President's Men with, um, with Robert Redford and uh, Tootsie? The, um, uh, uh, you know, he didn't, want to, he didn't want to give the wrong piece of information. He was, you know, he wanted to get calm. He's on the phone saying, Okay, breathe once. If he didn't, you know, breathe in. You know, God forbid, they, they didn't want to write something that was wrong. They needed confirmation from deep throat. They needed... There's no more of that anymore. People just, they go to the bathroom, they pick it up, they put it on the paper, and they mail it out to everybody, and that's the way we have our meeting. And I, I will tell you, that it is, it is, and I'm being polite, that there are organizations like MSNBC. They should take the MS out of that, because there's no part of MS in MSNBC. It is, it is bullshit NBC. Okay, MSNBC, decided that Rabbi Nesanoff should be announced as the second worst person in America. Second worst person in America, that's what I was announced as after Helen Thomas. Did anybody guess who's the first? Yeah. Bill O'Reilly, yeah. <laughs> bin Laden, no, Bin Laden, no, not Bin Laden, not Helen, no, no. Bill O'Reilly, and the only reason I tell people this is because People like me more when they hear that MSNBC said I was the second poorest person in America. But it wasn't nice, and I joke about it, but it's not, it, it's very hurtful. To, to, to go to, look, I went to the White House for Jewish Heritage Day. My son was the first time he came to the White House. He experienced doors from the, the feet from the president's door, anti-Semitism of the worst kind that was global. Never got an apology from the president, forget Helen. And, and, and 
the media wants to go ahead and say, I cut off her freedom of speech. Well, excuse me, I helped her exercise her freedom of speech. <laughs> you know, when everybody interviewed me, interviewed me and all these television stations, I said, you know, I see there's a camera here and you've got a microphone and I'm not going to be like blown away later when I hear that, you know, we're on CBS Nightly News. I know why we're here. There's a camera. So, anyway, are we, uh, we going to a few moments? Okay. So, so, so I actually want to mention some of the wonderful media outlets. So, Media Eye and Huffington Post. If you go to a piece of duty on the ground, and you pick it up, and you see underneath it, they're like vile things living, pick that up, and then look under there, and you'll find out the people that write for media in Huffington Post. They needed to assassinate this rabbi, a rabbi who was the, worked in the Denny's restaurant case, the largest consent decree in US history against racism against African Americans. A rabbi who works for Hispanic outreach centers personally with his family on a weekly basis, a rabbi who taught anti-bias and has been on more anti-bias, not for Jewish, but for all different people, they put me out as a racist. That's what they had to write, because we've got to take him down. That's what they did. And they did it because they saw a Shpurim spiel that I did three years ago, dressed as a priest. That is anti-Semitic, that they don't understand Purim. That I take as offensive also, because if it was Halloween, you know, it was Halloween the guy was dressed up as a priest. That is anti-Semitic. Um, a few other uh, anti-Semites, just quickly, uh, CNN, they didn't want to talk to me unless I talked about the Purim Spiel. Joey Behar, didn't want to talk to me unless I talked about the Purim Spiel. Jewish papers, what's with these people? <laughs> Jewish papers, uh, they, they, the first sentence, the little unknown Rabbi Nesanoff, who sometimes dresses up as a weatherman, I went back and I said to Stuart Aid of Jewish Week, I got this tape, I just got it yesterday on the White House lawn. No news there. No news there. They wouldn't even put in the paper. And finally, Newsday. Newsday, I'm on Long Island for 50 years. I do the cross puzzle every morning. I love Newsday, I'm reading Newsday. And if people say, oh, they're anti-Semitic, they're anti-Semitic legamre. Two weeks, they don't even mention the story. And finally, they interview me three times and they won't, they won't put it in the paper. Finally, they call me up and say, we found some controversy on you, and we'd like to know we're gonna have the word controversy in there. I said, controversy? If you put the word controversy next to my name in the same sentence with Helen Thomas, I said, you're an anti-Semite. Well, this is what we're gonna do. I said, well, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. This Sunday, I'm gonna be at Howard Kurtz, 11 o'clock a.m. nationally, not like the two-bit news that was just on the line. I'll be national, 11 o'clock, with Howard Kurtz and CNN, and we're discussing media. And it doesn't matter what, question he asks, I will answer, your name is an anti-Semite. And you can deny it all you want, but I don't know if you read the paper, I'm the new expert on who's an anti-Semite. So they're gonna talk about it. She called me back 10 minutes later, we're not gonna write the word controversy. Anyway, I got so much things. Um, I, 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 I'll, I'll cut to the chase, because we were coming, and I wanted to show you two minutes of something. Um, uh, a lot has happened since then, and uh, aside from being able to do a lot of the work I wanted to do now, she has helped catapult me to do some things, and I'm speaking out and using it. Um, I drove across the United States with my son, actually in preparation for today, uh, this is what sparked it, to find out why people hate. And uh, we interviewed everybody and every, anybody, famous, not famous, 
and we put together a film uh, which we're editing in Jerusalem next month called 3,000 Miles. We've never shown any of it to anybody yet. You're going to see a few moments of it that we put together for today. So if I can ask Evan to please, uh, Evan's got the lights and everything. I want you to know um, it has uh, been a privilege to speak here at Yale today in front of all of you in the name of my Bubba's and Zetas and all their relatives who um, weren't able to uh, survive and leave Poland and Germany. Um, and they spent their, most of their life having people say, get the hell out and go back to Palestine. I want to say it's been a privilege to fight anti-Semitism. Don't shush still, yell a lot more than you're yelling, and fight anti-Semitism, government.
it's a joke. It's got nothing to do with racism. This is about the rule of law. Why is there two sets of laws in this country? It's supposed to be one. Bad news is good news for the media. And, and, and even if there's you know, good news, they look for the bad spin to put on it so they can you know, sell newspapers, they sell advertising time on TV. Thank you for coming to my house. Mr. President, then how would you sign a bill for your health care? It's funny how you uh, go around the truth, but you can't go against the truth. Name it the White House. The drop off. I am a white man as far as I'm concerned on the inside. And if I could do the opposite of what Michael Jackson did, I'll change my outside. I just don't have the money to do it right now. <laughs> Uh, everything mixed together. I, I need some ending. I gotta finish this somehow. So that was interesting. 